Bretto. Yes, Marcus. I don't want to hear this. What don't you want to hear? I don't want to hear someone come up to me on Monday and say, I had no idea about the Wellness Base Camp. Oh, I hate it when that happens. It's all been all over Facebook, Instagram, emails, podcasts. If you are listening right now and you've been under a rock or you've been flat out busy and you just haven't got to booking your tickets, don't get to Monday and send us an email saying you forgot. I was going to book a ticket. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to school holidays and then the kids went back to school and then I went back to work and blah, blah, blah. Don't let it happen. Thewellnessbasecamp.com. 50 bucks off your ticket, a few seats left, don't muck around. You've got Cindy O'Meara, Karen Smith, Kim Morrison, Joe Witten, Audra Starkey, Jules Galloway, Brett Hill. Oh, I wouldn't miss it for the world, Marcus. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so informative. There's amazing exhibitors there. The venue, I'm told reliably by Marcus Pierce, is incredible. There's just no reason not to be there. It's the most beautiful venue we've ever had. The Wellness Base Camp proudly brought to you by Zars and Alkaline Water. And we, as you said, we've got some wonderful exhibitors. So don't muck around. Don't be that person or people that says, I forgot. Head to thewellnessbasecamp.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Hello, wonderful women around the world. You're joining us today with Dr. Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are the Wellness Women. So thank you for tuning in and joining us today, tonight, wherever you are. It's uh, such a lovely thing to start the year and to be uh, rolling into February now. And we're at night before Valentine's Day. So I hope all of you lovely ladies are going to be loved up and uh, looked after <laughs> by your your partners and your, your loves in your life. And uh, if you're not, don't worry. <laughs> I'm still a Valentine's Day Grinch. How about you, Andy? <laughs> oh, well, I feel like because this is like our first valentine's as like a married couple that i should put in a little bit more effort than what i actually have uh but i have not done anything yet so yep it's a bit late now (laughs) don't worry you've got like the first first one as a married couple i'm the first one with a baby which is kind of like the greatest uh, love making kill joy when you're so exhausted but (laughs) well i'll I'll make an effort i think think we're gonna drive into the city and do a a a love lunch with uh with pete but yeah so beautiful sometimes it's the little things ladies you don't have to uh to go to all out just love the people in your life with uh gentle gestures and kind words it's always a, a winning formula but anyway digressing we're just getting um, all, all do you know what's funny though? I've actually um, organised Valentine's Day chocolates for all my staff, uh, like these amazing, um, like organic, uh, you know, artisan-made dark chocolates and like little hearts in there. They don't have any sugar or anything like that in them. They're beautiful. So I've organised that for my staff, but nothing for Dean. And I know he would hate those anyway. So I'm like, ah, I'm a terrible wife. As long as he can't hear in the other room, that's fine. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, but that's so relevant for our topic today as well. Oh, it's uh, so relevant, is isn't it? That's, we've done some interesting synchronised kind of topics and, and timelines with what's going on in the world. We're kind of right on cue. But uh, tonight's episode, today's episode, is insulin resistance but before we launch into that we are going to go into our in the spotlight question from our listeners so welcome back to the in the spotlight uh tonight's question is from peter on the sunshine coast 
yeah, so shout out to all our Queensland, sunny coast um, listeners. Uh, it's my what I'm claiming as my hometown, so I'm envious oh, so of we all really the people sh- who live there right now. <laughs> we shouldn't get on. You're on Maroon. I'm a, I'm a blue, you know, so we're on the other side of the uh, the line of the, the footy yeah, field I there. Know, right? so, oh, I didn't, I didn't realise right. that. We have one the state of origin, like, how many is it right now? <laughs> oh, shoo, shoo. Anyway, back to yeah. Peter's question. Um, so Peter's question, um, and all of our, uh, like, international listeners will have no idea what that means but anyway <laughs> never mind um so peter is actually asking about her dad and i love it when daughters sending questions about their parents um because i think we're in an age right now where we have such a better understanding of functional medicine in our bodies and our health and maybe what the generation before us did um and i know that's certainly true for me not just because we're in you know we're health practitioners but also just because the availability of information now and also the fact that i think we're better at doing our own research and questioning things um but i've totally digressed again uh so peter wants to know um is asking some questions about her dad so he is in his 40s he is a really really healthy really fit guy he has a really good diet he avoids gluten um, and sugar uh, he finds that if he you know eats anything with that's too high carbohydrate like it makes him really tired um, but despite all of the fact that he is really healthy and fit, he still has really high elevated um, fasting glucose levels. So essentially he has this pre-diabetic state or um, this metabolic syndrome and the hallmark of that is insulin resistance. And so she's wanting to know how, one, how can someone who's seemingly healthy um, and who has perfect markers for everything else He's not overweight. He doesn't have that abdominal obesity that we usually associate with that pre-diabetic state as well. Um, And, you know, what we can do about that. Uh, And I think this is an amazing question, especially leading into um, our 28-day hormone reset challenge that is starting on the 1st of March because a big portion of that is actually helping to reset insulin because insulin is such an important hormone that is like the gatekeeper to a whole bunch of other hormonal functions. So in particular, our leptin hormones, estrogen, testosterone, um, that then has a flow-on effect to everything else. So making sure that you've got really good um, insulin levels and you've got insulin under control is essential for your entire, not just metabolic and hormonal health, but the way your whole system functions. Um, so this is why this entire episode is actually going to be one answering Peter's question, but two looking at insulin resistance. And what do you think is going on with Peter's dad in that situation? Oh, look, we've we've dived a bit deeper there, and I think that there's a few other things going on. So um, she's revealed that he uh, likes his beer. So he's definitely a beer drinker, which, uh, you know, through the fermenting process and everything else, it does contain gluten, um, which we know is part of what adds to insulin resistance. But about four or five years ago, he went through a very, very stressful period that lasted a few years. And I have a feeling that that elevated cortisol is what triggered this in the first place. And then it's been a flow-on effect from that. And uh, I have a feeling that maybe his diet wasn't always this great. I think that that's probably been a more recent change, probably um, under the influence of his kids, which I think is amazing. Um, even though he's been fit and healthy his whole life, I 
I'm just kind of reading between the lines. Um, so I have a feeling that the beer is an issue and his past cortisol control was an issue as well. So those are the two factors that we really want to um, sort of address and look at. And we'll talk a bit more about why that's an issue through the episode as well. Well, let's dive into it. This is uh, all about insulin resistance. And for anyone listening who goes, yeah, yeah, I know what insulin resistance is. Most important thing you need to understand is what is insulin, what it does in the body, why it does what it does, and then understand the things we could be doing that are actually uh, dysregulating the system and causing the problem. Because often we end up with the conditions that we're diagnosed with and are not explained to us well enough that they're actually a form of insulin resistance that has led down the pathway that we're now sitting. So we'll discuss some of the conditions and we'll talk about some of the things that um, researchers believe are linking insulin resistance to other forms of of health problems um, and the mechanisms and the associations. So I think the most important thing is to know that insulin is a hormone, okay? It's produced Mm -hmm. by the beta cells in the pancreas and it's normal for small amounts to be released after meals. Because it's helping us to break down the foods and transport glucose, which is our fuel, body fuel system, into the cells where it's then used for energy production. The way that I like to think about this is is when you're in an insulin resistant state. So we have all these little cellular receptors that are on each of our cells and they're almost like a lock and key mechanism. So the insulin receptor is the, say, the lock. And the glucose, which is going to fit into that lock, which is the key to then bring into the cell and use its energy. But when our uh, blood sugar levels are too high for too long and we get into this insulin resistant state, it's like the key in the lock gets stuck or that insulin receptor literally burns out. So it can't actually bring any more glucose into the cell. So there's there's one of two outcomes that will happen for glucose. So either it's used as cellular energy or it's converted to and stored as fat. Um, so those are the those are the two sort of like in, in very basic terms, what is going to happen to the glucose that you eat um, or the carbohydrates that you eat um, into your system. And that's you explained where it goes. that so much better. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you clarified that. That, that makes more sense. You, you kind of dived into the lock and key. I think people can picture that one much better than, than what I just described. But um, absolutely, that's what's happening. And I think if we can imagine that, you know, some locks are, are locked shut and we can't access them, uh, then we understand, okay, this is what's happening the body is not able to function the way it's designed to. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing that I find really interesting is that insulin is a natural anabolic hormone. Um, This is just like a little um, kind of sort of segue out, a bit of a side note. Um, Because it's an anabolic hormone, it can be manipulated and used by bodybuilders. Um, I mean, that's a story for another day, but um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so your pancreas produces insulin. Um, so it's that really hardworking hormone that seeks out your glucose, turns it into and uses it as energy. Um, and so glucose is the sugar that comes down, that floats around in your bloodstream that is from any essentially carbohydrate that you eat. So this is in the forms of, you know, direct sugar. So, you know, your lollies, ice cream, uh, what other sweet things do people eat? Cakes, uh, biscuits, <laughs> much um, chocolates, chocolates yeah. any of that sort of stuff. But also from things that are a little bit more um, benign, like fruit, uh, certain vegetables, um, and any of your grains as well. So your rice cereals, pastas, um, obviously your, all your wheat and your glutinous grains. So all of those things 
do break down too in one form or another into glucose. So it's not just the glucose syrup that you see on the packet of lollies that you're eating or the candy bar, um, but it's in a whole host of other carbohydrate foods as well. Perfect. And I think it's important to realize that once you're into a state of this insulin resistance, the body is no longer able to, let's just say you're putting fairly good foods in there. It's going to be just sourcing out glucose as much as it can to deal with the imbalances. So you kind of then continually storing more and more fuel as fat. And that's the big issue with the issue causing things like metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes, leading down the pathway of cardiovascular disease, um, which then can obviously flow on to affect things like hypertension. So we elevate, you know, blood pressures and things like that. And all of a sudden people at doctors trying to reduce their blood pressure with drugs, but they're not realizing it's a cascade effect from the insulin resistance. Um, what else? Women's hormones, yeah. polycystic ovarian syndrome is a classic yeah. one. And this is something was I learned the hard way when I was diagnosed with um, PCOS was because uh, one of my amazing sort of mentor chiropractors, uh, Daryl, he was like, I, I want to know how to, how to solve my polycystic ovaries. And he's like, go and learn the HBA access, go and learn about, you know, insulin resistance. I'm not telling you how to fix PCOS because it's not even a, a thing. It's it's your insulin resistance. So I was like, he was really obnoxious about it, but he was so so right about it because yeah, to him it was like, because really to him it was a no-brainer. He's like, yeah, whatever, that's just an insulin resistance issue, so go fix that first. Don't worry about all these cystic ovary stuff. And I'm like, oh. That's and- such like a masculine way of uh, <laughs> describing yeah. and dealing with something, isn't it? That's hilarious. Yeah, even though it's, you know, crisis point in my life, but he was just like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but but in a yeah. loving way. I, I mean, I really love him. He's been such a pivotal point in my career as well. He's he's created some great forward movement for me. But um, obesity and a really big one that's often missed and people don't understand this connection is any – have you, ladies, have you ever heard of or do you know anyone who looks relatively healthy that don't drink alcohol and yet they've been told they've got liver issues or liver enzyme function issues or they've got liver disease and you think – what? But they don't drink alcohol. How can they get liver disease? Um, well, this is one of the causes of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Mm, yeah, isn't that so interesting? Mm. Uh, and you're absolutely right. So that's a that's a carbohydrate issue. Um, that's an insulin resistant issue that's showing up in your liver function test. And um, even that liver function test is a bit of a misnomer because it's not really measuring function. It's measuring uh, like inflammation essentially or, or pathology. Um, but anyway, <laughs> we're just going on rants tonight, which I love. Uh, okay, so what causes insulin resistance? So obviously excessive amounts of sugar, excessive amounts of carbohydrates that are broken down straight into sugar. Uh, obviously our diets are very, very different these days to what they used to be. So even if you are following um, maybe like a paleo-esque type diet, but you're still consuming, you know, a few pieces of fruit a day, even our fruit these days, modern fruit is actually quite different to what it was back in hunter-gatherer days um, through whether or not it's through, you know, certain um, modifications, the actual fruit itself, or the fact that we're not eating seasonally anymore. Um, th- that is one of the reasons why our, like, fruit can actually be an issue for some people um, for a certain amount of time. So uh, it's from the foods we eat. Uh, it's also absolutely from stress. And I know that nobody wants to hear this because this is absolutely the hardest thing to change, but cortisol actually regulates your blood sugar levels. 
Um, so not only that, but it regulates, you know, your immune function, your blood pressure, and a whole bunch of other things. But part of what happens when we go into that fight or flight response is that cortisol works by releasing a really quick burst of glucose into your system because that's what we're supposed to be using as energy into the cell so that we can, you know, run away from that saber-toothed tiger really, really quickly. Um, and that's important when we need to run away from that, but it's not when we are sitting in our desks and when we're just getting a stressful email from someone. Yeah, so, it's meant to be the, the flush of fast-burning fuel so that you can burn it up, but we throw it into the bloodstream and we don't burn it up. It goes, oh, hang on, you don't need that. So mm-hmm. draws it back in and stores it. Yes, exactly. And I think going back to our listener question, I think that this cortisol response may be what is uh, part of what's responsible for her dad's elevated um, insulin or that pre-diabetic metabolic syndrome state. So those chronically high cortisol levels lead to chronically high blood blood sugar levels. Now, the catch-22 that happens when we have that insulin resistance is because those little key lock receptors burn out or don't function very well, it means that we can't bring that glucose into the cell to actually use it as energy. So our poor little cells are starving of energy. So we're desperate for that next sugar fix. So it's this perpetual cycle. And that's when we're going to be more prone to choosing those like really high sugary foods, like, you know, the chocolates and the lollies and the soft drinks and all of those sorts of things, just to get that quick energy fix or the caffeine as well, which is going to boost our cortisol levels and exacerbate that cycle because our cells can't use that as energy and then so on and so forth. Um, And this is why we also have those really high blood sugar levels that is uh, testable on our blood tests as well. Absolutely. And it's sort of the thing that um, when people are talking to me, you know, at work about, oh, I just can't lose weight and I, I've been trying everything and I'm doing all these diets and they're doing all these sort of, you know, crash course diets. What's happening there again, like you're just talking about that stress response is a crash diet is also a massive stress response to the body. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you, you're doing calorie reduction, you're potentially doing a big upheaval on your whole lifestyle. Uh, and all of a sudden, instead of that, because stress is, is positive, uh, which is you stress and negative stress, distress. And strangely enough, at times of significant change, initially, it's negative stress until it transitions into a positive stress response, just like exercise. So the beginning exercise can be a negative stress response because it really puts the heart and the system and everything under pressure. But then as we start to, uh, I guess, the adaptability in those tissues and we increase our resistance and our strength, we suddenly become positive stress response with that exercise. So it's the same mm. thing here. You know, estrogen resistance can make weight loss very difficult um, on so many different levels. So I think the key... Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up, Ash, because I think we need to actually put this into context for women. So how would they actually know that they're insulin resistant? Yeah. Where would you see the insulin resistance? How would you know? And definitely for me, it's always the the belly fat and the the, the hip, the, the love handles and the muffin tops that just won't shift. Yeah. If you read um, or look at any of Dr. Mark Hyman's work, he says that if you stand in the mirror with your shirt off, and I know we've talked about this on a podcast before, but hold your boobs and jump up and down. If your belly moves, you've got problems with insulin. And it's I, as simple as that. It's, it's, it is that simple. Yeah. And unfortunately, yeah. I think that uh, we can all sort of look in the mirror or look at each other and go, oh, my gosh, that's like how much of the population, two-thirds, yeah. three-quarters? 
Um, it's women tell me all sorts of really funny things like um, they don't want to put on their yoga pants uh, because they feel their muffin top falling over the top of it or they don't want to wear anything but yoga pants because they're too scared to try and put on their jeans at the moment. So all of these things is absolutely um, indicative of that insulin resistant state because of how it's messed with their metabolism. Any woman with PCOS Insulin resistance is a hallmark in polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, if anyone's been told that they have that metabolic syndrome or that pre-diabetic state, if we have that increased abdominal fat, so not only you know if you jump up and down the in the mirror and your belly jiggles, but if you do notice you know your waistband expanding, if you're getting really persistent chronic sugar cravings, um, and even things like absent and infrequent periods as well. So these are you know, hallmarks of insulin resistance. Um, any other kind of symptoms that you can think of that? Uh, I personally just think it's uh, anyone who has issues with sugar. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's really that simple. Like if you feel as yeah. though you can't get through through the day without needing something sweet because you're classically that person who goes, oh, I'm a sweet tooth or I'm, I'm that person who like, oh, yeah, I just need it. It's just – or hangry. Hangry is another classic example. Yeah, someone who gets really super moody and grizzly and grumpy um, when they're starting to get hungry—that's a, a basically a regulation issue there. So we're sort of starting to see signs that Definitely. really your choices of foods and when you need those foods, craving for three o'clock things in the afternoon, needing a sugar fix, um, sort of mid-morning after you've already had breakfast that should sustain you through to that yeah, lunch hour. Yeah. I think they're really good signs to tell from your own, you know, living and lifestyle that there is something, even if you don't feel bad, you've got to ask the question, why are you seeking those foods at those times of the day? Or the person who says, oh, I've just got to have something sweet after dinner or after each meal, um, or maybe they've had like a really good meal and then they're hungry again, you know, half an hour or an hour later. So these are all signs of that insulin resistance because your body is not metabolizing and using all of this information the way that it should be. Oh, another one, um, skin. Oh, acne? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, That's, you know, it's certainly an indicator of uh, (laughs) insulin-like. Ash is sitting on the other end of uh, the video here, like like, pointing to making dots on her face. I'm like, skin, skin, acne? (laughs) It's like we're playing charades. (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Funny you can see us. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I'm getting lost for words. There really must be a real thing called baby brain. Um, I'm trying not to to make it an excuse, but there's times like this where we were doing a live recording and I'm just like, there's a word, that word. (laughs) Oh, man, I'm on day two of no coffee um, and it's almost nine o'clock at night over here. So I feel like I'm doing really well (laughs) to be able to string sentences together. But uh, anyway. Um, Another one, I find a lot of my ladies with insulin resistance are fluid retention, puffiness. Yes. Yeah, totally. So, you know, um, something if you're having issues yeah. with fluid retention and seem to always feel puffy and bloated, then that's also something to be thinking about. It could be an insulin issue because of the way in which insulin kind of tells your kidneys to hang on to sodium and water. So, anyway, that's they're just yeah, some signs and yeah, symptoms. Absolutely. Um, now, if you are not convinced with the signs and symptoms enough and you want to do some testing with your health practitioner, um, what I would suggest is getting a really good blood panel that includes, you know, obviously glucose. Um, um, something called hemoglobin 
A1C, which is actually looking at like your blood sugar levels um, or your sensitivity to that over the last few months, um, fasting insulin levels, and even you could look at um, something called fructosamine levels, which is just uh, measuring how your body responds to fructose as well. So you can be talking to your health practitioner about that. Uh, but now let's actually look at what we can do about this. So what are the solutions when it comes to insulin resistance? So with this, diet is king. Diet is absolutely king. It is the hallmark of how you can actually start to change insulin resistance. And the really great news with this is that the research shows you can actually change insulin resistance in 72 hours. That's amazing. So even if you have metabolic syndrome, you, you have been craving sugar, you know, all day, every day, the research absolutely shows that you can change insulin resistance, improve your insulin sensitivity in just 72 hours. And some of these principles we're actually using in the hormone reset as well. Um, so it's a lot easier than what you might think, but it does take a bit of consistency. So what you want to be doing is obviously giving up the sugar. And this also means any type of artificial sweetener as well. Uh, artificial sweeteners have the exact same effect, if not more, on insulin resistance. Um, because when we go messing with nature, um, your body is still getting that really sweet flavor. It's preparing your system for a huge dump of glucose anyway. Um, what other food change? So we're giving up the sugar, we're giving up the artificial sweeteners and anything that breaks down straight into sugar. So these include the things like that we mentioned before. So these might be um, the rices, the grains, the palm, you know, pasta, pastries, uh, all of those sorts of things, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, it's so tricky because if you have a look at uh, packages these days, I think there's over 50 different names for sugar or sugar mm -hmm. substracts. So it makes it very tricky, ladies. So don't be uh, too sad if you think you've been fooled already because uh, clever marketing means they're going to keep changing names to make it more and more confusing. So you can't suss out the sugar. And just little things like looking at the back of a package, you might see sugar in four or five different names. So you might find yeah. sugar listed uh, in the form of, let's say, high fructose corn super and that's maybe the fourth ingredient on the list. Then go down a little further through the label and the seventh one is dextrose and the next one you know, down from that is fructose. And they keep using all these different variations. So Essentially, clever. it all yeah. means the same thing it means sugar um so do look at the the labels to have a look at what's in there and also i think um if you're confused by all the names just look at the numbers five grams per hundred is the maximum amount of sugar we would expect to see in any product so if you're having muesli bars and they're 25 grams per hundred um sugar carbohydrate then you, you might be starting to you know understand why there's sugar hidden in those products that you thought were healthy um however sugar is sugar and it can <laughs> i just pulled out my kombucha and i was just looking at the at the label there it's okay we're totally fine <laughs> how many grams per hundred is that one um this is an organic one um and it's got 1.5 grams Yes. Uh, of sugar yeah so that's um, so it's very 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 minimal um so those are the things that you want to take out and also like when i talk about kombucha you don't want to drink your calories because this is probably one of the quickest and easiest ways to really uh, create that insulin resistant state um, because juices um, and smoothies and all of those sorts of things usually will really spike your blood sugar levels really quickly, um, particularly because it doesn't have any of that fiber in it that you need, um, which brings us to what we want to add in 
And fiber is actually one of the best things that has been shown to really help to improve insulin sensitivity. Um, so like really high fiber intake with soluble fiber, um, like non-starch polysaccharides, which are just um, essentially like large size carbohydrates that aren't broken down into the gut and do produce a bit of fermentation, which is good for your bugs there, um, and resistant starches as well. Um, that has been re really shown to help to improve your gut flora. And this has a really good impact on your insulin levels and your blood sugar as well. Awesome. Um, I always love the greens, so just go green, green leafy vegetables, yeah, your broccoli, um, even things like yeah. uh, green apples are shown to have a stabilizing effect because of the fiber yep. in the apple. Uh, yep. So, you know, we talked about fruit being not always a good thing, but there's certain fruits that are not too high sugar that are certainly better choices. Um, all your seeds, nuts, they're all very stabilizing as well. So, like, chia seeds and sunflower pepitas i think they're called in other places yeah. and uh, almonds yeah. and things like that um however i know some people challenge almonds because they say they're on a sweet spectrum i've heard every now and then people say oh you can't have too many almonds so i think i'd have to, to dish out research but i think the the value in the fiber and the good fats in there can outweigh the issues regarding the sweetness of almonds because i've seen a few hardcore you know low carb diets that are like you can't have almonds they're too sweet you can't have cashews they're too sweet um but wow. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so I'm not sure where they have come from that. So I know, definitely I've had this discussion recently with someone who was talking about insulin resistance and stabilising blood sugars and, oh, I don't have almonds because they're too sweet. And I was like, I wonder where you heard that. Um, so I know it's yeah, come from a low-carb kind of uh, thing that's been around the, the traps for a while now. But, look, my advice, ladies, is eat things that are good for you in their whole complete form. So for me, seeds and yeah. nuts are, are really those things that, uh, well, look, we love little walnuts and they look like the brain and they're good for us. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, that low-fibre – oh, sorry, not low-fibre. We want to keep high-fibre. High-fibre, that high low low carb um, uh, dietary sort of changes with insulin resistance, I think is a really, really great thing. So keeping to relatively low carb, but remember when a lot of people go low carb, they usually make the mistake of going low fiber, but it's really important to keep your fiber really high. Um, I don't particularly like ketogenic diets for women, um, particularly not for extended periods of time because it can really mess with your hormones and it boosts your cortisol, which then suppresses your thyroid function. And so so on and so on. So yeah, the cascade. Oh man, you just you need to be careful. So you don't need to go no carb, but low carbohydrate, good quality protein, good quality fat with each meal is going to help to really regulate your blood sugar levels, which is amazing. Um, in medically speaking, what they usually uh, prescribe for insulin resistance or for, say, um, a diabetic state or women who have PCOS is they'll usually use metformin. Um, I can't remember what other names it goes by, um, but this is used in, in diabetic patients very commonly. Um, it works really well at that level. However, you know, no good deed goes unpunished because it also really depletes B12 levels. Um, it can absolutely give you like nausea, gastrointestinal discomfort, abdominal pain and bloating as well. So it's notorious for generating gut issues too. So just be very aware of that. But there are things that have been shown to be as effective as metformin um, that is from, you know, much more the natural world. Uh, and that is berberine which is amazing. Um, so berberine is really good at boosting your insulin sensitivity. 
so helping your body to recognize those that glucose better and helping to bring it into the cell um however again i would just use caution with berberine and, and use it with someone who knows what they're doing because it can have antimicrobial effects so you don't want to be on it for too long um other things that are helpful is inositol um chromium but only obviously if your chromium levels are low uh cinnamon is a really great one as well for helping to balance blood sugar levels um and helping to sort of decrease those sugar cravings uh what else can you think of any other supplementation ash before we move on to exercise i think you find in most good quality practitioner ranges they usually put it in a compound you know as a women's formula yeah. so yeah. rather than you having to take 10 different tablets a day they um conveniently put it into a, a compound and a formula so i generally say to people look talk to your practitioner ask them which brand ranges they use because each brand has their own name for all these different things so you may as well find out what's right um just simply yeah. because you don't want to be trying to multi-pill every morning you sort of start to feel <laughs> like you're a pill popper by by taking all these different supplements and then trying yeah, to throw all these yeah. herbs and things into smoothies and that it can get a bit overwhelming so sometimes the simplest option is to find a good practitioner range uh, find the product you need and just stick to that product uh, to stabilize and support that insulin response awesome um okay one of the most helpful things though as well as diet is actually exercise so when our little insulin receptors uh, get tired and die off there are other pathways that you can actually manipulate to help to essentially utilize that glucose and bring it into the cell and one of those um, receptors is called GLUT4 receptors and one of the ways to stimulate that is with weight bearing exercise and resistance training um, which I think is amazing so that helps stimulate GLUT4 receptors which means that you're going to use um, the glucose in your bloodstream a lot better uh, so even just you know moderate strength training or resistance exercise is awesome yoga and pilates also has been shown to improve insulin sensitivity but not running so some of that cardiovascular um, or cardio sort of exercise has not been shown to be as effective and it also boosts cortisol too which remember uh, feeds that cycle so, yeah, so we we're looking at sort of, when I say stabilizing exercises, you think about trying to stabilize the blood glucose, you're stabilizing with exercises that are moderately intense, not too many, you know, hit workouts, not too much, you know, long endurance running. Um, exactly. So some intervals are great, but obviously just not overstressing the body. Because remember we talked about stress being a, a stress response is negative sometimes. In this case, your body's already under stress physiologically because the insulin resistance and then we go and throw another stressor into the equation and that's why it does not work for you so if you've ever tried this and you found yourself doing all the right things and you're out there busting gut and you're in the gym and you're running and doing all this exercise trying to reverse insulin resistance it may be that you're overdoing it and you actually need to step back and sort of calm things down a fraction to allow your body that time to metabolically mm -hmm. switch over um so yeah absolutely like you said andy exercise is probably one of the most important things you can do because you have got to use the body well you've got to drive those little mitochondria that uh, the energy produces using all the right things so it is yeah, important exactly. um i always think as well like for a lot of the time people don't realize when it comes to insulin resistance it's also about um portion control overeating stimulates this is a big issue so if you're a real yeah, snacker yeah. and having multiple snacks and meals a day and, you, and there's there are strategies for weight loss that promote multiple meals a day um but scientifically speaking that actually also promotes insulin resistance because you're constantly asking your body to keep pumping out <laughs> what it needs to to break down these things so fasting mm -hmm. has been shown to be a great way to help 
um, mobilize the body's response to insulin. And that's an interesting thing because you go, but hang on, how can fasting help insulin resistance? But there's quite a few studies now starting to show that intermittent fasting or fasting methodologies can actually support the body's regulation. So yeah, yeah. And uh, just remember that is like a bit of a mild stress on the body as well. So as, as long as you've got like a, a good functioning HPA access or, or good good adrenals, um, I think fasting is probably a, a really, really good option. But it could just mean something as simple as not getting up in the morning and, and eating before you've even kind of woken up. It could just be yeah. simply simply waiting and uh, letting your cortisol levels take their normal course of action and then having breakfast a little bit later and instead of snacking in between, just keeping three, you know, three main meals a day and then maybe just a very small portion of nuts in between just to sort of pass you through to keep that stability um but certainly not the snacking approach and not the high carbohydrates in between and not you know big carb loaded meals it's certainly uh, looking at the quality of what you're eating the quality of the protein as well in those portions so not only portion control and regulation not overeating and not uh multiple times a day but also looking at what is in your meal like what does the serving look like we should be having like we talked about the high fiber content so lots of you dark leafy vegetables, your greens, lots and lots of, you know, good wholesome vegetables, and then a small portion of protein. Now, protein can be in the form of meat in lean chicken and things like that, but it doesn't have to be meat for all our vegetarian and vegans. It it can be lentils, it can be um, a chickpea, stewy sort of combination. It can be a lot of different ways you can get protein, uh, but you do need to be looking at how you get protein at each meal to help stabilize your blood sugar levels. Yeah, awesome. Um, and one that uh, one thing that hopefully doesn't go without saying, but is actually getting good sleep. So having really good sleep hygiene because sleep deprivation can actually cause insulin resistance. And we know that when we're sleep deprived, it messes with our leptin receptors, which means that we will stand in front of the fridge and eat all day long and will not feel full. Um, ergo, insulin resistance. Um, so work on your sleep, ladies. All right, let's wrap this up. Give it a summary okay. and we'll uh, say, <laughs> say, say sayonara to everybody. <laughs> We've had a okay, so a summary. Insulin resistance is bad. We do not like it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. It causes okay. lots of different combinations of problems in women. And so, yeah. you know, if you've been diagnosed with any form of the spectrum of insulin resistant uh, health conditions, then you need to look at fixing the insulin resistance before you start drugging up and trying to deal with other complaints that you've been diagnosed with. Deal with the blood sugar balance first. Correct. Um, you can uh, start to reverse or actually fix your insulin resistance in 72 hours. We do that through diet. We do it through good quality exercise. Make sure you're really upping your fiber intake. There is certain supplementation that's really particularly helpful and that's really well evidence-based. Uh, so just go back and listen to that section um, and make sure that you're getting really good quality sleep as well. Um, okay. So ladies, if you want to, if you actually want help with beating your insulin resistance, I would actually suggest you jump on and join us for our 28-day hormone reset protocol. Uh, So if you go to our website, thewellnesswomen.com.au and click on e-courses or there'll be a pop-up as well that comes up or you can find it all over our social media as well. So that's facebook.com forward slash thewellnesswomen or on Instagram, thewellnesswomenofficial. We are ramping up to the hormone reset challenge. We cannot wait for you to join us on that. Uh, There is a promo code flying around somewhere um, which gives you, I think, $28 off it as well. Ash, we still... Oh, I've already mentioned it, so I suppose we'll still give it to people. Uh, (laughs) That is WWR... 
28. So Wellness Women Radio 28, which gives you $28 off, which brings it down to $97, which is uh, super cheap. Um, to everyone who I've told how like the price of it, like all the other practitioners that we talked to have laughed at me when I've said that. And I'm like, oh, okay, maybe we've sort of like undercut ourselves on this. But anyway, that's beside the point. Um, so ladies, we would love for you to join us on that. If you want more details, uh, just uh, communicate with us through any of those channels. Make sure you keep sending us your questions and remember you can consult with us personally as well. Uh, ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.